This is Sideline Tackle. Soccer is adored and beloved the world over. Yet, as global as the beautiful game is, it's not as universal as one would think. There are certain countries that instead maintain their own national athletics. We have American football here in the States. Australia has their rugby, and Japan had baseball. Intrinsically tied to the corporate culture and identity that Japan is known for, loyalty to one's company baseball team was par for the course for the average sports fan in Japan. There was also a soccer presence, but it was small and lukewarm. In the late 80s, the Japanese soccer league in existence at the time was amateur level and poorly attended, and their men's national team struggled to even secure friendlies against neighbors Malaysia and China. It seemed as though soccer would remain a niche interest while baseball reigned supreme. Perhaps that would still be the case today, if not for three key events that converged in 1993 for what would become known as the perfect storm. The first third of the perfect storm is, interestingly enough, a New Yorker named Tom Beyer. He was a professional soccer player and the first American to play in Asia when he signed for Hitachi FC in Japan. When he retired in 1989, Bayer had already fallen for the Japanese way of life, and so he decided to make Tokyo his home. He also started Kicks International, a youth soccer organization that focused on training clinics for the under 12 age group. However, in 1993, Bayer changed how the game was taught. He introduced the Corver coaching program and began traveling throughout Japan to conduct youth training clinics in person. Most importantly, he introduced a technical style of play that resonated in grassroots soccer. By focusing on practical skills, youth development was streamlined into easily teachable skills. In fact, Japanese soccer still bears the impact of Bayer's influence. Notable Japanese star player Shinji Kagawa is a product of these training clinics, having attended in his own early development and taking those technical skills to the Japanese national team and even Bundesliga's Borussia Dortmund. The second third of the perfect storm is the Japanese Football Association's bid to host the 2002 World Cup, alongside South Korea as co hosts. While the tournament in question was nearly a decade off, this bid gallivanted the Japanese soccer team like nothing else, for one very important reason. Japan had yet to qualify for soccer's biggest tournament. While their co hosts had already been part of the World Cup before, Japan had never once taken part. If they failed to qualify during the next two cycles, they would have been the first nation ever to host the tournament without having had taken part. Between then and 2002, they had two chances to prove themselves worthy. 
Their first of two chances was for the 1994 World Cup held in the USA. The Japanese men's national team had rallied during qualifiers, and they were down to their last match against Iran. They were winning 2-1, and it seemed as though they were on their way to the World Cup. Until the 91st minute, when Iran equalized. With this dramatic final goal in extra time, Japan was out. Their second chance came during qualifiers for the 1998 World Cup held in France. Their joint bid with South Korea for 2002 had been successful, and so this was their last chance to qualify before they were set to host the World Cup. Again, it came down to the last qualifying match against Iran. Again, the match was decided in extra time. But this time, the Samurai Blue won 3-2, securing their first ever appearance in a World Cup. This turnaround of effort was in part due to the growing supporter culture that began in 1993. That was due to the last third of the perfect storm. Japan's new soccer league, now known worldwide as the J-League, Replacing the previous amateur league, the J-League deliberately moved away from the corporate culture tradition of company-owned professional teams and instead based their new teams in cities and towns. This piece of the perfect storm was the most critical to drawing in new fans. By cutting off corporate ties and drawing instead from hometown pride, a larger soccer atmosphere was able to thrive. The new supporter culture blended European influence that traveling Japanese fans experienced abroad, as well as the nation's love of dedicated subcultures centered outside of the workplace. Fan magazines and eccentric fashion statements, staples of Japanese subculture, popped up and circulated like wildfire in supporter circles. Men, women, and children flocked to experience the joys of soccer in droves. And they have been doing so ever since. These three events all took place in 1993 by chance, completely independently of each other. Certain parts that led to the perfect storm took place years before, and many of its outcomes are still growing today. But by fate or by luck, everything coalesced just right in this one year to kickstart the growth of soccer in Japan. While they're not yet staple powerhouses, both the men's and women's Japanese national teams are well-respected as up-and-comers. The Natashikos stunned the world in 2011 when they defeated the U.S. women's national team on penalties after a tense final match. The Samurai Blue shocked the world in 2018 when they defeated Colombia, and won over hearts and minds when they cleaned up their own locker rooms, and even left a thank you note for the hosts in Russian. Japanese supporters are renowned for their politeness, often seen cleaning up after themselves long after the game is over. With a well-defined technical style of play, a growing international presence, 
and a strong supporter culture that's uniquely their own. Japan is well on their way to building up the beautiful game in the land of the rising sun. Sideline Tackle is written, hosted, and edited by Leslie Gideon. Stay up to date with us on Twitter and Instagram at Sideline Tackle. If you like what you've heard, consider supporting me at coffee.com forward slash the Leslie Gideon. Don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps new people find the show. Have a topic you want explored? Send it in to sidelinetackle at gmail.com. If you want more content, sources, and transcripts, visit sidelinetackle.com. Remember, the game has 90 minutes. The rest is up to you.